Hi. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome here this morning. I've got so many things I want to say. I'm excited that Grant had a microphone this morning. Um, I, I, I've got like just a ton of things. I can't go into them all. I, I, was, I had a bunch of great jokes, but I'm going to just leave those behind because Avery eclipsed me. He was up here. He's like positively giddy today, cracking jokes. So I'm going to leave that behind. I just wanted to say one more thing, though. Um, I, uh, I'm excited about our combined services for the summer. So I went out and got new shoes. Woo-hoo! <laughs> Feel like the finance minister. Inaugurating something very cool here. Hopefully more exciting than the budget lately. So we're going to keep going with our series this morning. We're in our second week of our Make Waves series. And this morning we're going to be talking about joy, the second fruit of the Spirit that we find uh, Paul listing in Galatians chapter 5. So here Paul is actually pointing us to joy that comes from God. And so the joy that comes from God transcends what we find in life. Even the challenges that we encounter day by day. So it, it transcends the good things that we find just sort of in this life. We, it transcends the tough things that we find in life day to day. And so that's what we're going to be talking about as we go into this message this morning. So joy, if you will, is above and beyond the temporal happiness that we find masquerading in life as joy. So oftentimes now we find a bunch of things that the world tells us are going to bring us joy. Things that we chase and we pursue after, and they actually are just... What's the word I'm looking for again? Uh, it's a mirage. That's exactly right. See, I'm so excited when Jana's in the office... And in, and in the congregation, she knows what I'm trying to say. I should just get her to come and do it. Um, world, yeah, the world gives us all these things. They, they plant all these things out there, and they say, here's happiness, and here's more joy over here. And we chase it, and then it disappears as we get there. And so the joy that God offers is so much bigger than that. It, it transcends all of that, and it gives us a joy that lasts and a joy that goes beyond the, the circumstances of our lives. And so, um, as we think about that, as we encounter that, and as that grows in our lives, then we have this prime opportunity to stand in contrast to the world around us. And in that, then we can really make waves in our world, as we have joy in our lives, as we allow the Holy Spirit to develop that, so we can go out and, and impact the world around us with this, make waves. So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And as we go into this, then recognizing that, again, only the Holy Spirit can produce this in us. We can't conjure it up on our own. Then let's just stop now for a moment and ask God to come and work in our hearts and minds uh, to that end so that we would be able to realize him 
working and growing joy in our lives this morning. So let's pray. Father, today, as we come before you, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you also for the work of your spirit in our hearts and in our minds. And this morning, Lord, as we come to grips with the fact that we all are interested in joy, we want to be happy, we want to have joy in our lives, uh, but that we can't produce that on our own. We're so thankful and grateful then that we can come to you and ask you to provide that for us through your spirit. And so this morning, would you do that? Would you, by your spirit, work in our hearts and our minds? Would you help us to understand how that you produce this joy for us, what we can focus on that would give us joy, that would provide us with that in our lives, despite our circumstances, whatever the case might be. And so to that end, we ask for your blessing now. We ask all of this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. All right. So just as love demands an object, this morning we need to understand that joy requires an impetus. Okay, so just as love demands an object, Joy requires an impetus. So if I were to say, hey, I love, well, you would look at me and say, what? Right? I couldn't just say, I love, and you'd be, okay. You'd, you, well, you love what? And I would reply, well, I love Fran. And my kids are going, ooh. And I love Ferraris. I love Coca-Cola, and I could fill in the gap for you there, and that then would begin to make sense. In the same way, if I say, well, I have joy, you would ask, why? What is causing you to have joy? You would be looking for that impetus. And of course, the Sunday school answer is, well, God provides us with joy, right? God provides us with joy, and it's the Sunday school answer, but it's true. Joy comes from God. But this morning, we want to dive in a little bit deeper here and pursue this a little bit more so that we can get down to understanding this a little bit better. Because if we leave it at God providing us with joy, that's factual and that's true, but it makes us go out and try and conjure it up again on our own. And we try and fill in the gap sometimes and try and accomplish that somehow without really understanding how that happens or, or some of the ways that God actually accomplishes that for us. So we want to dive in and go a little bit deeper. So what is it then that God provides for us foundationally that brings us joy? How is it that he delivers joy for you and I today? Now, as I, I was thinking about how to try and tackle that this morning, I, I recognized really quickly that there, there, that's happening. That there's a, a bazillion different ways that God is providing that for us in different respects. And so, where do you begin? And so, what I did was I looked up, what does it take for people to thrive? I did just a Google search. What does it take for people to thrive in life? And what I found was this, that there's a consensus among psychologists and psychology that there are between five and seven things, roughly, that are necessary for people to not just survive, but to thrive in life. And the, the list kind of varies. It grows, it ebbs and flows a little bit, depending on where you put things like food, water, and shelter. So it can go from four to seven, or it can go from five to eight, 
or what have you, or from eight to five, depending on how they categorize some of those physiological needs or what have you. But this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at how God provides us with five things that actually parallel and maybe even actually overlap more accurately with some things in psychology that psychologists say we need to thrive. It's fascinating to me, it's interesting uh, at the very least that psychologists have come up with this list and as I looked at this list of things and I would encourage you go go home and check that out at some point. I'm not going to take the time to go into it all this morning. But as I look at that list that psychologists say we need to thrive and then I look at what God has provided for us, the, the way that God has provided these things in our lives and, and the levels that he pr- has provided them for us just, just stand there so starkly and come as such a significant clue, I think, as to who he is and what he's all about and the fact that he is there, that we would find such a tight correlation between what psychologists say and what we find in him. It's amazing. And I hope that, like I say, you'll go home and check it out, see what world, the world of science has told us, and then what we find as we turn to God and as we come to Scripture. Now, I'm not saying again that these are the only things that God provides for us. But this, for this morning, I think that these parallels are so stark and so captivating to me It was too good to pass up. So I want to look at these things this morning and and dive into them and point them out to you as well. And I hope that in that, then you'll start to understand just how God is working in our lives to accomplish and give us that full life uh, that he said that he came to, to bring. So number one, God brings us joy this morning in giving us identity and value. One of the very first things that Psychology says that we need beyond physiological needs is identity and value. And God gives that to us today. Many people today are in the midst of an identity crisis, aren't they? As we look around, we see people pursuing identity in so many different directions. They're pursuing it through their possessions. People are pursuing identity through their positions, what power and influence they have. They're, They're pursuing identity through their fame, through their notoriety. Now we're starting to pursue identity through sexuality and gender. Every day we turn around, there's another group clamoring to say, here's where you find yourself. Here's where you find who you are. Here's how you can demonstrate yourself to the world around you and have, a, have an identity. And at the same time, at the same time, as that is going on out there, there's another message that's circulating through life as we know it today that tells us that we are just a product of science, that we're really no different than animals, and that our inherent value is about the same as the average snail. And so together these things are circulating out there, and it's no wonder we're having an identity crisis, it's no wonder that we're struggling without having a sense of value when that's the messages that we keep running into day in and day out. And against that backdrop, against these messages then, God stands in contrast today in saying, 
hey, no, listen. Let me speak to you about your identity and about your value. And so we see him speak into our lives right from the beginning of Scripture. And again, a Scripture that we've been at a few times in the last number of months. Genesis 1.27. God says, so God created mankind in his own image. Sorry, Scripture says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So as it comes to identity, right off the hop, God comes along and he makes very clear to us that you're created, that we are created with his identity, in his image. He has given us his image. And in that we find our identity. Psalm 8, verses 3 to 8, take us in a different direction. Speaks to our value. There the psalmist says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, as he talks to God, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet all flocks and herds and animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Here we see a very different assessment of our value from God. So much different than the message out there that, well, you're basically just an animal. You have no more value than your dog or your cat or, or what have you. In fact, some days I think maybe as we look around, animals have more value than humans do. If we believe some of the contentions being bantied about out there. This morning, as we come to this whole idea of understanding joy and having joy... We need to recognize that we have been made by God. And in a similar sense then, but on an infinitely greater scale, if you will, then just as one of Picasso's paintings has identity and worth because it was painted by Picasso, then we have identity and worth because we have been created by the one and only God, the true God, almighty God himself. Now, this morning, sometimes I think that we treat that like a Sunday school answer. We wander around, and you've heard me say it before, that you are special, that you're important because you've been created by God. But here's my question today. We do amazing things for the works of art created by the masters. We put them in the Louvre. We put them in climate-controlled environment, environments. We put them behind special protective glass and, and locked cases in locked buildings, etc., etc., etc. And all of us today would recognize, wow, those things are valuable. Those pictures are valuable. We would recognize that the masters were valuable. Da Vinci 
Picasso, all the great masters. We'd say, wow, that's valuable. They're valuable. But we look at ourselves this morning, or we look at others around us this morning, and we don't recognize the value that we see in front of us in the mirror or on the street or across the desk or what have you. And we don't recognize the value of the master that created you and I today. And we really need to take some time to start and wrap our minds around that this morning. Because you and I, all of us, each one of us, without exception, are masterpieces made by God himself. And like I say, on that level, but far beyond, in the same way, but on a whole different scale, then we are valuable just as a work of art created by da Vinci or Michelangelo or whoever. Far beyond that. And this morning, as we begin to wrap our minds around that, then we understand, we begin to appreciate the fact that that comes with joy. That we can look at ourselves and we can be joyful because we know that we're not here by accident. And that we've been given a purpose and a value by God. And as we internalize that, as we begin to understand that and appreciate that, that builds joy in our lives today. That's something that can't be taken away by anyone or anything. That's inherently invested in you by God. And it's yours for eternity. Second thing that God does for us in in bringing us joy. God brings us joy in giving us belonging. In giving us belonging. This is another direct parallel with what we find in psychology. As we come to our place of faith in Christ, as we put our faith in Him, God brings the joy to us of true belonging. John 1, 12 says, Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God. And again, let's stop and take a moment here. As we come to recognize God, and as we place our faith in Christ and what He's done, then our relationship with God is restored. And in that, then, God has given us this opportunity to be His children, to be adopted into His family, which is craziness. Now, if, if today... I called you and I said, hey, guess what? Just found out that you are a part of the president's family. That you're a distant cousin, but he wants to meet you. He's really interested to get to know you. I'm going to fly you to Washington or what have you. And then, and then, just for the sake of the analogy, picture whoever your favorite president is in office, okay? (laughs) 
All right, wouldn't, wouldn't we be excited to get on the plane? I'm going to find my family. I'm related to the president. This morning, you're related to God Almighty as you place your faith in him. That when he sees you, he sees his daughter or his son. And he's calling you today saying, hey, I want relationship with you. I've heard that you're now a part of my family. Jesus just told me that you've placed your faith in him. I want to know you. I want you to come. I want you to be with me. I want you to belong. Because now you're a part of me. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17 says, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Now we are no longer just a part of his family, but we are one with him. That's how he's looking at it this morning. That you belong to him today. You're one with him. Romans 8 verses 14 to 16 carries on. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought, out, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. That is by the spirit. We cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Have you heard the Holy Spirit testifying to you today, lately, that you are a son or a daughter of God. Have you experienced that? Where he's contended with you as to your identity in him, your belonging in him. Spirit's waiting to do that in your life. This morning, our trust in Christ's death and resurrection and paying the penalty of our sin reinstates us into relationship with God. We now belong to him. It's the the relationship that he intended from the very beginning of time. And the relationships that we have here in life, no matter how good, the relationships that we have on a human level no matter how great they may be, still pale in comparison to that relationship that God has with you and wants with you today. That's relationship in its truest sense. Relationship beyond anything that we have here. Even our best relationships just give us a hint of that. And one day, Paul tells us in Corinthians, that we will know as we are fully known. That this relationship with with God will be completed. That it it will be ours in in, in its entirety. But the thing is, guys, is that we're waiting for then when God wants to start that now. He wants to grow his relationship with you now. So that there is no doubt in your minds today that you are one with him. That's why, again, the Holy Spirit is waiting to work in you in this way. As we engage with him in that, he'll demonstrate that. 
so that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is there and that we are a part of him. Thirdly, sorry, I have to just do a bit of math. I looked at the clock and I went, oh my, am I ever over? Started a little bit later, that's good, okay. Thirdly, I'm going to keep going then. Thirdly, God brings us joy in giving us purpose. Okay, now here, what we need to understand is that there is no shortage of purpose in life. As we look around, we can find purposes galore. And we can distract ourselves with those. And it's not hard, man, and some of them are great. Like, I mean, they look awesome. And we go out and we pursue them, and and that's going to return a dividend to us in lots of respects. But what we need to understand is that as we chase those purposes, that they're temporal, and they never completely measure up. They're like that mirage thing again. As we go running to them, thinking that we're going to find purpose, we do for a while, at least to a certain measure. But all of them pale in comparison to our true and primary purpose, which we find in God again, that he brings to us as we turn to him and look for that from him. So this morning, what's central to this particular topic or this area is that God has a purpose and plan, okay? As as we, we read scripture, you can't help but be confronted by that. God has a purpose and plan over all. And he is busy pursuing that and accomplishing it every day, every day, every day. But within that purpose and plan of God's, then he has designed a place for us to take part. And with that in mind, he has designed us specifically. He has placed us specifically where we are today. All to accomplish his purposes. All right? And then he comes along to us and he says, but I want you to take part in this. I've got this plan, I've got purposes, but I want you to take part in this. And that's mind-blowing again. We're trying to conjure up our own purpose in life when Almighty God comes along and says, no, hey, I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you within the greater purpose of mine. The purpose that I'm going to accomplish, that I'm going to get done, and I want to use you as a part of that. So as we engage then in this purpose and plan of God's, as we lean into him in that and say, hey then, Lord, okay, I get it. You've got this plan. You're big. You're huge. You're going about some stuff. Where do I fit in? How do I fit in? Show me what you want me to do. As we engage with him, with him in that, then we'll find joy as we find what we're created to do and who we're created to be and how God wants to use us. 
He'll provide us joy in that. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. From before time began, he saw you and he saw what he wanted to do in you and through you. The question is, is whether we're going to find our purpose in him or whether we're going to look for it on our own. Settle for a second best at best. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so as we come to that verse, we recognize that there's a ton of different things that God is calling us to do and to be in our lives. There's all kinds of different things that He's given us to do to fill our purpose, to fit into His plan. For some, it's to be a husband or a wife. For another, it's to be this person in this business area or what have you. There's all kinds of different facets to this. And so we can't go into all of those this morning, but I want to get into what is his primary purpose for us all this morning. And we start to see that in some verses like this. Acts 1, verse 8, where it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may, sorry, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. This morning, what's primary to God's purpose for you is that you would be his representative here on earth. Where you're situated at this point in time. What's primary to your purpose is that you would be an ambassador of God. That you would go into the world today and represent him to the world around us. And that we would then draw attention, the attention of the world to God. And help them find him. So bottom line today, amongst all of the other things, but here centrally and absolutely, we are called to be God's witnesses, and that is our purpose. As we find Him, as we place our faith in Him, then our number one objective, our number one purpose, our number one goal in life should be to make Him known to the world around us. And as we do, God will meet us in that and fulfill us as we come alongside him and recognize what we were designed to do, how, who we were designed to be, and what that means when we connect those dots and participate with God in that. Fourthly, this morning, God brings us joy in providing us security. Again, it's the fourth one that just overlap and parallel so closely with what psychology says. In psychology here, they are referring to physical safety. And the whole point is, is it's hard to thrive when we fear for our lives, when we're worried about our physical life. So that makes sense, right? (laughs) If I'm going to enjoy life, I can't be running around shaking in my boots, worried about losing it. I have to have some security. I have to have safety, feel a, a sense of safety. And while God is concerned for us on those levels, and will it even at times intervene for us on those levels in different ways and in different capacities and so on and so forth, 
God goes way beyond our physical lives here and now in caring for us and in providing for us a a security, safety. Mark 8, 35 and 36 say, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Hear that again. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? We want safety in this life. God comes along and says, I'll I'll, I'll one-up you. I'll see you and raise you on that. How about safety, security for eternity? That's what I want to provide for you. Not just now, but forever. John 14, verse 19, this is Jesus speaking. And he says through his disciples to you and I today, before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. Jesus gives us his guarantee that as we look for him, as we see him, as we follow him, as we place our faith in him, that we'll continue to see him and that we will not die even as he didn't remain dead. That because he lives, then we will also live. Romans 8, verse 30. Listen to this. Again, Paul here talking about what God has done. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. And you're looking at me and you're saying, well, what? What's that got to do with anything? And I want to just point out the tense here. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. It's all past tense. Paul's pointing out to you and I today that God has called us, and as we've responded to him, then he has already glorified you and I today, which is today, which is to say, that our security is established. It's done. We haven't realized it yet in its fullness, but it's accomplished. It's completed. That we're not going to be lost in death. That we've been glorified. That we've been preserved. That our future is with him. Which brings us to number five. God brings us joy in guaranteeing us a future. And here at this point, we part ways with psychology. This is a whole different category that psychology can offer. Psychology doesn't have a any idea what to do with this? God comes along though and says, hey, 
I want you to have joy. And one of the ways that you can have joy is in knowing that you have a future with me. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 and then 4 and 5 say this, For we know that if the earthly, earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. In 1 Peter 1, verses 3 and 6 say, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that, will, that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is, all, that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly what? You greatly rejoice. Have joy. Through, though now for a little while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Psychology ends in this life, but God continues into the next, promising us a future with Him, giving us the Spirit as a deposit, a guarantee against that reality, against that truth, so that we know, so that we don't have to wander around in life trying to find joy anywhere else, so that we would know instead that joy, the joy that we're looking for, the joy that we want in life comes from God. And that he will provide it for us in ways that aren't temporal, that aren't temporary, that aren't shallow, but that are deep and abiding and eternal. How are you doing this morning in this area of joy? In our world today, it's not hard to lose track of joy. We look around, we see the last number of months especially, COVID has thrown us for a loop, turned our worlds upside down. We see inflation running rampant right now. We're starting to wonder where that, this is going and where it's going to stop, if it's going to stop, and what it'll look like if it doesn't. We hear of wars. We hear of rumors of wars. Like I said last week, I'm preaching to the choir here. I can get lost in that so quickly. But this morning, God's reminding us that we have a future and that it is bright regardless of what is going on around us. So how are you doing? Where are you at with God? Are you experiencing the joy that comes in having found your identity and your value in Him? 
Are you enjoying a strong sense of belonging, knowing that you're his, that you have a place in life? How about a purpose? Are you scrambling, still trying to find your purpose? Are you running around feeling unsafe and insecure? Do you question your future? If one of these areas sort of stands out for you, or a couple of them, maybe all of them, then I'd encourage you today to engage with the Spirit. If you haven't come to know Jesus Christ yet as your personal Lord and Savior, come and talk to us about that. Let us help you try and explain that so that you would be able to take that step of faith. And for those of us that have and are still struggling in one of these areas this morning, can I encourage you? Go to the, go to the Holy Spirit with that. Holy Spirit, I'm struggling here. I need your help here. And whatever that area is, engage with him. Let him interact with you so that you could experience him, so that you would know that he's there, so that you would know that God is true, that this is all not just some hoax. God wants that for you today. And this opportunity is just a prime opportunity that we would be able to know that, understand that, experience that in our lives. So I challenge you. Don't just walk away. Don't just wonder. But dive in with him. Engage with him on that. Let him reveal himself to you and to help you in these areas. Let's pray. Father, again today, as it comes to this whole area of joy, once more, Lord, I pray that today we would recognize that it's not just something that you conjure up, just some sort of a feeling that you sprinkle all over us like dust and expect us to wander around and be all happy and giggles. But rather that you would help us to see who you are, what you've done for us. That you would help us to see how you deliver for us joy through all of these different avenues and then even beyond these in other ways as well. And that you would give us by your Spirit a deep and abiding sense of this so that we wouldn't look to the world around us and be overcome. That our joy wouldn't be snuffed out, that it wouldn't be cloudy as we focus on other things, but rather that we would see it so clearly in all these different ways that you've responded to us, that you've invested into us. So to that end, God, I pray for your blessing upon us. And I pray, Lord, that beyond that, that it wouldn't just be for ourselves, that it wouldn't just stop with us individually today, but it would grow in us as a church and that it would grow in such a way that we would become a testimony to the world around us, a wave in our community for you. And so to, to that end, again, I ask all of these things, and I pray through Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Thanks for coming, everybody.
enjoy a little bit more time today, and we'll see you next week as we tackle the next fruit of the Spirit.